You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. Author Richard K. Morgan wants to destroy your Mars fantasies. Richard K. Morgan has spent most of the past decade working on his fantasy trilogy, A Land Fit for Heroes. The books were popular with readers, but Morgan has received a steady stream of emails urging him to write more science fiction in the vein of his 2002 debut, Altered Carbon. His new novel, Thin Air, definitely fits the bill, delivering more of Morgan's signature blend of mystery, sci-fi, sex and violence. I'm coming back to science fiction and what I really wanted to do was have some fun with it, Morgan says in episode 332 of the Geek's Guide to the Galaxy podcast, and go back to that noir vibe and really pick up on the pulse that the Kovacs books had. Thin Air is set on a futuristic Mars colony in the Valles Marineris, An ambitious terraforming effort has stalled, a victim of corporate greed, and now the Martian settlers huddle beneath a thin screen called the Lamina, which helps keep in the breathable air. It's a grim vision, but one that Morgan finds far more plausible than the cheerful visions of plucky Mars colonists common in sci-fi. I think the idea that it's going to be some sort of reprise of the American frontier, that this is where men will go and test themselves against the cutting edge of human progress and the expansion of the human sphere... I mean, that isn't what it's going to be like at all, he says. He's particularly sceptical of the sort of techno-utopian thinking typified by figures like Elon Musk. Morgan would prefer to see humanity organise itself into large-scale government initiatives rather than relying on the personality quirks of a handful of super-wealthy individuals. While I've got an immense amount of respect for what Musk has achieved in technological terms, I don't think he has a very grown-up view of how the world works and how human beings work, Morgan says and I think we need people with a bit more thought and a bit more balance to their vision. He also worries that excessive optimism about the prospect of settling other planets may distract people from the serious challenge of maintaining a livable biosphere here on Earth. For the foreseeable future, the home of the human race is on Earth, and once a lot of minds and attention start turning away from that, it's bad news for Earth, he says. Listen to the complete interview with Richard K. Morgan in episode 332 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, and here are some highlights from the discussion. Richard K. Morgan on colonisation. I've read quite a lot about the various initiatives that there are as far as this idea of colonies on Mars is concerned, and Newt Gingrich features very widely. He's been in a lot of working groups and so forth, and clearly what he sees is a transplant, 
taking a culture of the most rapacious of Republican rights, unfettered capitalism in America, taking that and transplanting it out there, and just culturing it and seeing if it grows. And I imagine Carl Sagan listening to him and wrinkling his nose. We're talking about the human species taking its first steps out into space. And what are you about? You want to lock it all down and sell it as parcels of land? There's something pretty pearls before swine about the whole thing. Richard K. Morgan on the Andes. In Black Man, I posited that one of the things they would be doing is sending Andeans, Andean Native Americans, to Mars. Because one of the things, obviously, is you've got a very, very thin atmosphere. Then guys who are used to living at altitude are going to be genetically predisposed to cope with that better. So in Black Man, the Western world has built its Mars prep camps in the Andes because you get the altitude there, and also something of the bleak environment these people will be going to. So the idea is you've got several generations of grunt labour coming from places like Peru and Bolivia, and they've brought their culture with them. So that's one of the baseline cultures that operates on Mars. Richard K. Morgan on biotech. I was just thinking about what's going to happen when genetic engineering works like software, where they fix you for cancer, say, but then later they come along with something else and say, this is the new patch for this. So it doesn't just fix it, it also forces the cells to do this other thing, which is really cool because then you can't get cancer in those cells ever again. But somehow you've got to get it into people, so you've got these little post-organic mosquitoes flying around, and they carry the code activators, and they sting you and pump that shit into you, and then it goes to work within the gene tech that's already in there. So over time your lungs get more efficient, or your skin hardens up a little bit better, or retains moisture that much better, and this is going on all the time. Richard K. Morgan on AI. It occurs to me that one very obvious thing that algorithms and AI would be good at is comforting the dying. It doesn't have to be a deeply implanted version as it is in the book, with a simple version of a bone phone or some kind of induction system so that you can hear the voice even though you're going under, as it were, it should be possible to provide companionship in someone's last hours, and I think that might be a good thing. I think it would be nice if technology meant that we didn't have to die alone, even if we were functionally alone at the time of our death. So yeah, I'd say that in an ideal world I'd want another human being there, someone I cared about, but failing that, I'd settle for the AI. Hope you enjoyed this spoken edition of Wired News. And if you'd like more, search for Wired Science and Wired Business. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.